Heavenly Father, we ask now as we open up to, the, to your word, Lord, that you just open our hearts up. God, this, this next few minutes is going to be a waste of time if we're not open. So God, I pray you'd open us and help us to receive. And even if it's just one thing, God, that we can uh, just receive and allow it to be an implanted word in us that grows and bears fruit, much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. A few years back, quite a few years back, an embarrassing thing happened to me. I think this was before kids. My wife and I were going back uh, out of state to visit some family of mine. And uh, this was kind of the days before, well, before my wife helped me pack. <laughs> I shouldn't admit to that. But uh, So I, I threw a bunch of stuff in a backpack. I never liked to check a bag, you know. Even before you didn't, it was free, I didn't like to check a bag. So I, you know, I just threw a bunch of stuff in there. And, I, you know, we were staying a week, and I just, you know, for some reason, I just packed one pair of socks, you know. Uh, but, you know, that's, I mean, I figured, you know, my, my family has washing devices and all that. But here's the thing. When you're on vacation and you're doing stuff every day, you just don't think, you know, to do that. And so I'm wearing my socks, you know. We're, we're active, you know, I'm... I'm, uh, you know, doing stuff with my dad. I'm, I'm jogging every day, you know, and doing all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, you know, I began to feel my socks become a little brittle. You know how, you know, they, they're a little like, like they're not soft anymore. They're getting a little hard on the, you know. But it was kind of like, you know what, I'll be home before I know it, you know, and, and I just didn't have time. And so finally, we're, we're coming back on the airplane, and, uh, and I'm just like, I'm tired. You know, it was a, it was a rough week, you know, and so I kick off my shoes. And my wife gives me this look. Oh, what a foul smell. And I'm like, what you talking about, woman? You know, it's fine. You know, I don't smell anything. She's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm like, that made you have to go, you know. And so, you know, she gets up and she goes, and all of a sudden, I see people looking at me. I almost want to say, problem? You know, I mean, I'm getting like, you know, a little defensive here. And, uh, you know, and, and she comes back. She's like, Tom, you've, you know, this is, this is embarrassing. Your feet stink. And I'm looking at her. I'm going, you're crazy. I can't smell a thing. She's like, please for the love of God, put your shoes back on. But they're hot. Put your shoes back on. I think, I can't verify it, but I think the guy in front of me was like, for the love of God, put your shoes back on, you know. But I, I finally put them back on, and I, you know, I, I told my wife, I said, I think I, I need to get my nose checked or something, because I couldn't smell a thing. Now, I began to think about that over time. In theory, I know my feet should have stunk, right? One pair of socks, all week, never changed them. I felt them getting crustier and crustier as the week went on. But, you know, I just went with it. So in theory, I know my feet should stink, but I could not smell my own stink. And a lot of times, we can have the same thing that goes on in life. We can know something in truth. But, we can, but until we kind of experience it, or until we kind of, it comes back to us, we don't, you know, we'll, we'll argue until the day we die. My feet don't stink, right? Now I was ready to, my feet don't, you know, 
And I think a part of this was when I was growing up, my parents always used to tell me my feet stink. So when my wife did that, I was like, no, 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 no. I had to put up with this all my life. I ain't putting it up with you too. You know, because, you know, we, 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 there's a difference between what is real and what is ideal. Ideally, I don't have stinky feet. In reality, I own 32 pairs of socks now because I go through two a day, sometimes three. All right. So, you know, so I, I just, you know, it's just one of the gifts God gave me. Uh, you know, if I was ever to get captured by ISIS, all I'd have to do was take off my shoes. I would be free and clear, you know. We can forget stuff. And this morning, James is going to be talking about the difference between knowing the word and doing the word. Read with me now. Let's go to James chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 19. Uh, not, not so many verses this morning. We'll get through this. Uh, chapter 19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so pre prevalent and humbly accept the word Planted in you, which can save you. By the way, when he's talking about moral filth and evil, we automatically go to, you know, drugs or illicit sex or things like that. Remember, he's, what he was just talking about, right? Uh, gossiping, chattering, not listening, being angry. And then he says, therefore. So, you know, we, we, we may tend to think of all the vices when a lot of times James is going toward the root attitudes uh, is what he's really getting at. He says in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves like Tom and his stinky feet. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Knowing the word and doing the word. The Apostle Paul said something in his letter to the first Corinthians, to the first to the Corinthians, in his first letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 8, verse 1 which is probably one of the most amazing statements in the Bible. He said, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. He's talking about the Bible. And he's essentially kind of, you know, saying there's going to be people who will love the Bible to simply increase their knowledge. And if that's what you're doing, you don't get it at all. The Bible is to teach us how to walk in the footsteps of God's love and do what he does. Not just read what he says. Now, and of course, us in the Western world, we have a lot of knowledge about the Bible. But we don't always understand what it's really about. My father, from the time I could remember my dad... He loved to play golf. When I was a kid, I hated golf. I'd have to go with him to the driving range, 
And this was before they had iPads and all that. I had to sit there with a book. Can you believe that? I had a book. And, and my father would just golf. You know, and I remember being like, I don't get it. I played football. I played baseball. I played all, you know, I played, I was in wrestling, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and I never got into golf until one day uh, I was visiting my dad and I said to myself, you know what? Him and I, we, we, we can't just sit here and stare at each other anymore. We got to do something fun together. It was a long time ago when I was a, you know, a teenager. So I said, you know what? Why don't you teach me how to golf? I didn't really like it. First couple times, I hated it. I maimed a pigeon, you know? It was a traumatic experience for me, you know, going golfing. But pretty soon, as I began to golf more and more and more, I began to experience the joy that my father had in golfing. It's the same with the Word of God. As we read the Word and began to do it, we experience the joy of God moving in our lives and moving in our communities. When you read the word and it says, feed the hungry, and then you go down to Church Without Walls and you're feeding the hungry, you're feeling the pleasure of God all over you. When you read the word of God and it says, clothe the naked, and you see the, the tables of clothes and the box that you put and people going through your stuff, I know some people are like, I don't want people going through my stuff. I love seeing people wear my stuff. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But I love it, man. When I, when I put my coat on, I'm like, that guy's got my coat, you know? But, but there's some sort of pleasure that we get. As we read the word and do the word, we experience our father. We don't just get to know about him. We get to know him. You know, people ask me, how can I get to know God? Do I just need to pray harder? Maybe. Do I just need to, you know, give more? Maybe. But I can tell you right now, if you read the word and begin to apply it and do what it says, you'll not only know God, you'll experience God through you. In fact, I would say for most people, because they don't do that, they're the ones that wonder, is there really a God? Is God out there? Is there really spiritual things? Because they've never done a spiritual thing in their life. And when you take that step, you take that risk, you say, you know what? I read it here, and now I'm going to do it and obey it. Something happens. Even if it goes all wrong, something happens where you're like, you know what? I feel God flowing through me. That's what Paul's getting at. Knowledge puffs up. But love Love builds up. Let me share with you an analogy that I found that I thought was really good. It's called, Did You Take the Trash Out? And I apologize. Normally, I don't like to read off a script, but this story was so good. I'm going to read it for you, and I just want you to listen, okay? A father notices that all the trash bins in his house are full, as well as the garbage bin outside. He politely asks his sons while he goes to work to take the trash out. Now, his kids are still sleeping, so he decides to write them a letter. And in the letter, he writes, I love you. I love you guys. Really, I love you. I mean, you kids know that I love you. You're the best kids in the world. I loved having ice cream with you last night. And the hugs at the door, they really make my heart glad. I was thinking, 
it's trash day and the house really stinks. I need you guys to take the trash out to the garbage bin and then put the bin by the curb so that the tr- tr- trash truck trash truck can pick it up. It's garbage pickup today, and I really need you to do this before school. Thanks, guys. Love you, Dad. Well, Dad comes home from work, and there's no garbage can by the curb. The trash is still overflowing out of the bin, and he walks inside, and he sees all the trash baskets are still full. So he calls a family meeting. And Dad sits down, and he asks the kids, Hey, what, what gives? Did you get my letter? Did you read what I wrote? And the kids respond, Yes, Dad. That letter was amazing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, a little bit of prose, a little bit of history, lots of affirmation. That letter was amazing. The imagery was astounding. The punctuation was perfect. Did you know that even the verb tenses were dead on? It was a great letter. Dad, you're a really good writer, and we really got the heart behind the letter, and you have been so good to us. We decided today that we took the letter so seriously, we decided to skip school. We have never really thought about trash like this before. We agree with you. It should be taken out. So we started researching how other nations take out their trash. And then we added other fields of study like recycling and how to leave a very small carbon footprint on the earth. In fact, we brought some friends over and we did a Bible study, trash taking out in a Christ-centered world. Can you believe it, Dad? In the Old Testament, it says that they took their trash outside the city. And in the New Testament, the trash heap was the final destination for sin. Did you know in the book of Philippians, Paul says that all religion is like trash. We did word studies in the Hebrew and Greek about what trash means, and we accessed a whole bunch of online commentaries. It was an amazing wealth of information out there. In fact, it was so so shocking that we started a ministry and a website and are pondering whether or not to start a theology school on taking the trash out in a Christ-centered way. At the end of it, Dad looks at him and said, well, that's all fine and dandy, but did you take the trash out? Well, no, we were, we were too busy studying it. And sometimes we can do the same thing with the Word. We can study it. We can absorb it. All the years through Sunday schools and youth groups and Bible study groups and all that kind of stuff. But we never feel or experience the love of God or really obey the heart of the Father until we do it. I mean, (laughs) I can know the Greek words and everything about what love your wife means. But if my wife is miserable, what good is that? I can know that my wife's favorite restaurant is Thai food, and it is. My wife's favorite restaurant is Thai food. But if I never take her to a Thai restaurant, what good is knowing it if you don't do anything about it? And so, you know, it's fine to know all of my wife's favorite things, but if I, it doesn't make a difference if I never do them. Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, 
Blessed are those who know the word of God and do it. Jesus said that. Blessed are those who know the word of God and do it. And now little brother James comes years later and he, sa- and he says basically the same thing. Don't just know the word. Do what it says. Do what it says. Jesus, uh, James says uh, in verse, I think it was 20, he says, humbly accept the word that was implanted in you. Uh, a lot of times when biblical truth comes, God equates it like a gardener planting a seed, okay? So Jesus tells a story called the parable of the farmer, right? And what does a farmer do? He's scattering seed, but the seed is the word of God. And he's trying to find ripe soil in which that seed will grow. And what is the soil? It's the condition of our heart. So if our heart is ready to receive it, that's good soil, it's going to fall on that good soil, and it's going to grow up, and it's going to produce fruit. If we've got a hard heart, it's, it's the seed's going to hit hard soil, and it's going to choke itself out and die. And then there's the birds, which is the enemy comes along, steals the word, the thorns, the worries, and the cares of life choke it out. All these kind of, but Jesus is, is following the same thought that the word of God is not just something we hear. It's something that gets planted in our hearts. It's something that is meant to be received. And then what happens is it grows inside of us and hopefully eventually out from us. Now, James is realistic. There's a couple of ways we can choke out the seed. And the first way is, and I get this a lot, we can talk too much and listen too little. Man, if I had a dime for every time I'm trying to explain something to somebody spiritually and they just won't let me get a word in. They're talking so much and they listen too little. Or, or if I'm in a, a marriage counseling meeting and, and, and there's one side that they just won't let each other talk long enough, they choke the seed right out. Nothing you can do. It is very wise to listen more than you speak. And after all, God gave us two and one. I like that one. <laughs> I don't know why, but, I, you know, I think it wouldn't be safe to say we should listen twice as much as we speak. Second thing is, is we can react too quick and think too little. Angry emotions, anger and emotions tend to blind us to anything the Bible may say. Uh, you know, one time I was trying to talk with somebody. He was so angry. And, and he came in. He's like, I need some Bible verses. And he was so mad, so mad. I finally said, you know what? I'm not doing this. You're so angry. You're so mad. I could, I could pray for the dead to be raised right now. And your anger would totally nullify it. You know? I mean, there's just, just so much. Go calm down. Go take a cold shower. Go run a marathon. Go do something and then come back. Because that anger can just choke out anything that God wants to do. And by the way, you know, I know we talk about America being the, 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 the kind of the, the sexual generation right now. I would say far more powerful than that is anger. I just meet so many angry people. They hide it well. They hide it real well, but if you were to if you were to 
pull back all the layers and the masks. There are needs that are not being met, and they are angry. But they've put so many band-aids and so much clay on it that now, you know, you gotta, you got to peel back all those layers just to get to the root thing, which is often anger. The, try, try getting the seed through all those layers of anger. It's never going to happen, you know. It has got to penetrate all the way through, short of a miracle from God. Number three, compromise too often and stand too little. Caving at the first sign of temptation or caving at the first sign of emotion. Uh, I, I have a young lady in my life, and, and I, I, I'm trying to get one seed in her, and this seed is let it go. Every time something happens, she's got a comment on it. She comments on it in Facebook. She comments on it in France. She comments on it right in public. She comments on it gossiping behind her back. She's always got a comment, 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 comment. Always reacting so quickly. Always, you know, and I always, always kind of tell her, you know what? There's a compromise that's happening here. And you know what the compromise is? is? You can't just sit and rest and allow God to do it. You're like, I know, I know, I know, but I just got to say it. No, you don't got to say it. You just got to let it go. Let it go. Let it be. And then finally, number four, the fourth thing I can choke out the word is acting like everybody's teacher. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's so, I don't know what to say, other than I think every one of us have the propensity to get like this, to be the know-it-all, uh, where we become unteachable. We're not going to be taught because, after all, we know it all. And uh, that can just, ch- you know, you put these four things together, and it's just whatever, whatever God is trying to do or show us just gets choked right out. And that's what James is going for. But the second thing is, he's tr- also trying to show us ways we water the seed. And one of the first ones is this. He says, don't just know the word, do what it says. Is he saying wait? No. He's saying do it. It's an imperative. It's a command. And the first thing is, don't wait for times to be convenient. Don't wait for times to be convenient. In Genesis chapter 26, we have a very interesting story. Uh, This is Abraham's son, Isaac. And Isaac is living in the land, and there's a huge famine in the land. And so everybody's got seed But nobody is planting their seed because there's no water. Anybody who's ever farmed or has a garden knows that you need water in order for a seed to grow. Well, God comes to Isaac and he says, I want you to plant your seeds anyway. And Isaac probably stepped back and said, hey, listen, I know you created all this. I know you got understanding all this, but seeds don't grow unless there's rain. And God says to Isaac, I don't think you understood me. I'm not going to explain it to you. I simply want you to do it. I want you to plant the seed. And you can hear all Isaac's friends. Oh, you're crazy. Oh, you're nuts. This is an economic downturn. This is the Great Depression. This is, you know, you, you gather everything in, you hoard while you can't, because you may not know what's coming next. You don't do that. Why are you doing this? One reason, one reason only. God wants me to plant the seed. Isaac plants his seed. 
Because the power was not in the seed. The power was in the obedience. God can make plants out of thin air if he wanted. He plants the seed, and against all odds, they grow, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow, and they continue to grow until Isaac has what's called the 100-fold blessing. You ever heard that term? It's a real churchy term. The 100-fold blessing. All true Pentecostals know all about that. The 100-fold blessing. In other words, the amount of yield Isaac was supposed to get was 100 times greater. Why? Because the power was in the doing of the word, not just knowing the word. Isaac could have just kept that seed in his pocket. You know what would have happened? Nothing. Nothing. But instead, by faith, he did what the word asked him to do. He planted that seed and no economy, no lack of education, no status in life. Nothing was going to stop the fact that the power of obedience trumps all of that. And what's the point? If Isaac would have waited for a convenient time, he never would have experienced the miracle. So for some of us, point number one rings particularly true. Don't wait. Don't wait for it to be convenient. Start doing the word right now. Number two, be patient. Seeds grow over time. There are words that have been implanted in me when I was 20 That are just now beginning to spring up. There are seeds that I planted when I was 20. That are also just now beginning to spring up. They go over time. That's the most horrible part about being a human being. Is we really can't see that that far ahead. Maybe a year. Maybe two. But we, we don't think five. We don't think ten. We don't often. Maybe when it comes to retirement. That's about it. We don't have that sense of the long-term yield, but God does, and he's very patient. You know, I remember once I didn't get something I felt like I deserved, and I felt like I had a choice, get bitter or not. In the short term, I would have chosen to get bitter, and it probably would have felt real good or real bad. But someone came at the right time and said, you know what, Tom, don't get bitter, don't get sour, See the long term that you may be here now, but you are planting good seeds. God is sowing good seeds. And if you're patient, they will reap a good harvest in time. If you just continue to do the word that has been planted in you. And seeds will eventually harvest. The life you're living right now is probably a direct or indirect result of seeds you've planted in your past. You can't get around the Galatians principle. A man or a woman reaps what they sow. My mom used to say, what goes around comes around. Number three, there's a difference between being buried and being planted. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can seem buried. For example, a seed 
you put in the ground. A dead rabbit you put in the ground. Sometimes what can feel what was meant to bury us is actually being used by God as a seed to grow us. And I know I've seen this countless times in my own life where I just feel like, you know what, God, you're burying me. Failure is all around me. I just want to go crawl in some hole and die, withdraw away from the world, pretend that nobody ever knew me or ever saw me, and just go and run to Timbuktu. Bury myself. Bury myself in depression or guilt or shame or fear of failure or fear of whatever. You know, just bury myself. And like a dead rabbit, we can bury ourselves. Or we can choose to see it as a seed. God planted a seed. Both are in the ground. But the dead rabbit decays. And the seed of the word of God grows. And finally, start small. Start with one thing. Start with one thing. What kind of seeds are being sown into you? Because if it's not the word that's sowing seeds, there are other seeds that can be sown. And of course, what kind of seeds are you sowing? If you're sowing criticism, discouragement, judgmentalism, hypocrisy, you're probably already experiencing the results of those seeds. But if you're sowing love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You may not be reaping the words right now, but I promise you, if you sow those seeds, they will spring up. You will have the reward of those seeds you sow if you allow those seeds to be sown in you. I had a good friend of mine and he was odd. We went to seminary together. And I remember thinking, man, you shouldn't be here. Uh, he was just a goofball. I was judging him all the way. He ended up being one of my closest friends. And I, 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 said, I said, you know, why are you here? And he gave me an answer. And I said, no, no, that's not the answer. Why are you here? And he looked at me and he said, when I was 15, I received the word of God. I became a Christian and I received the Holy Spirit and my whole life changed. It was amazing. When I graduated from high school, I walked away and I just partied and dug myself into a hole. And four years ago, I was living on the streets of Phoenix. And I was sitting outside of a bordello I had just spent the night in. And my back was up against a nasty brick wall with broken glass and dandelions and weeds everywhere. I could smell my own urine all over me and my hair and my teeth. I was just a wreck. And he said, in that moment, for some reason, I just began to look up and I saw the blue sky. And then it all, all came rushing back. I said, what came rushing back? 
she said, the word came rushing back. I began to think of, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I began to think of the prodigal son. I began to think of Moses lifting his staff. I began to think of Joseph in his amazing coat. I began to think of Paul standing before Caesar. I began to think of Peter at the Pentecost. I began to think of Jesus being baptized and the Father saying, this is my son who I love. It all became rushing back and all of a sudden I began to weep and weep and weep and weep and I was just shaking and crying because the word had suddenly come rushing back and it sprang into life. So then I, I picked myself up what little money I had, I moved into a friend's apartment. And it's been four years. And now I'm finally here in this seminary because I want to share with everybody what was given to me. The word implanted, which can save you. Amen? Bow your heads with me. There's a catch, and the catch is to be open soil. For many years, I was not open soil. I was closed soil. You could have thrown a thousand seeds at me, and I would have deflected them all. But thankfully, God is a relentless farmer, and he keeps throwing seed and keeps throwing seed and keeps throwing seed until that moment, that moment where the crusty soil becomes soft, the hardened heart becomes open. And in that moment, there is a word planted in us, a word that says, there's nothing you can do to earn my love, and there's nothing you can do to ever lose my love. I am the Lord God who loves you. I am Jesus who died for you. I am the Holy Spirit who wants to fill you. I am Jesus, the God who wants to save you. So this morning, before we close, I'd like to give a very simple invitation. And this is a unique one. How many of you would like to receive that seed planted in you? You cannot do the word unless you've received the word, received the seed. Oh, I read the Bible before I was a Christian. It was nothing. It was nothing. It had no power. It was just words on a page. I might as well have been reading a phone book. But once you receive the seed, all of a sudden... The word becomes the most powerful thing in the universe. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of God will last forever. That's what Jesus said. It's a powerful book. It's beyond us. Its power comes from an eternal time and dimension. Spans across the centuries. Spans across the continents. So this morning... If you'd like to receive Jesus and have that seed planted in you, 
that you can not just know about God, not just know about the Father's love, but experience it and do it. And just go ahead and look up at me right now. Amen. 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 Now, for those of you who you've received the word, you know the word. You've had a hard time doing it. Maybe you've been waiting for it to be convenient. Maybe you've been impatient. Maybe you felt buried under depression or demoralization. Or maybe you just don't start small. You try to start doing everything and you get discouraged. But you'd like to say, you know what? I would like Holy Spirit power to do the word so that I can get to know my Father who loves me. If that's you this morning, go ahead and lift your head and just look at me real quick. Amen. 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 Why don't we stand together? Stand up. And let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, we receive the seed of the Word of God. Help us to receive and to plant that we may reap a good harvest in due time which brings you glory and pleasure in Jesus name amen